and contradictory worlds where we are constantly exposed to things that are not consistent with God's word and with our desire to do good. You wake up in the morning determined to get it right, determined to do the right thing as a child of God, but before you know it, we find ourselves missing the mark, we find ourselves slipping up, we find ourselves making a mistake. Every time we determine to do what is right, something else, something contrary seems to cross our mind. Would you agree with that? That, that's what's happening in, a, in the world today. And the truth is that everyone makes mistakes. Perfection eludes everyone. There's no one righteous, not even one. That's what the Bible says, Romans 3 verse 10. And once again, you look at yourself, your own life is a testament to this reality. We struggle and strive every day. We wake up determined to get it right and we find ourselves slipping below God's standard. Struggling, striving to do what is right and constantly finding ourselves often doing what is wrong and contrary to our desires. So then, since everyone makes mistakes and, and everyone hurts somewhere and everyone has limitations and everyone has areas in their lives they don't want others to know or see. How then do we identify real children of God? The way you react to your wrong tells us if you're a real child of God. We can know a real child of God when their wrong provokes their spiritual life. I'm going to repeat it again. We can know a real child of God when their wrong provokes their spiritual life, speeds up their spiritual life, encourages them to pray them more, to believe them more, to draw closer to God them more. That is how you know a genuine child of God. When what the devil intended to destroy your relationship with God ends up bringing you closer to him. When what the devil intended to separate you from God actually ends up building your relationship with him. That is when we know a real child of God. And this will bring us to the title of today's message, Wrestling with Wrong. Tell your neighbor, wrestling with wrong. Tell your neighbor, wrestling with wrong. Now, I'm going to take you to the book of Romans. That's the proof text for today's message. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. I'm going to read from verse... 15 to verse 18. Now, before I read, the person who wrote this scripture is Apostle Paul. Tell your neighbor, Apostle Paul. Tell your other neighbor, Apostle Paul. The reason I'm mentioning Apostle Paul is that it's important to put it into context. So the person writing this scripture is one of the greatest apostles in the history of the church. 
He wrote half of the letters in the New Testament. He is a source of inspiration and motivation for Christians around the world. He is our father in the faith. And listen to what he wrote. He said, verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I'm going to continue to verse 19. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Tell your neighbor, Apostle Paul. Tell your other neighbor, Apostle Paul. This is one of the heroes of Christianity openly lamenting that what he wants to do, he does not do. What he hates, he finds himself doing. Oh God, who will deliver me from this wretched body of sin? Do you know the lesson for me and you as Christians through this text? The lesson is very clear. You can know a true child of God when their wrong provokes their spiritual life. Why? Because as a true child of God, it is not your will to do wrong. It is not your intention to do wrong. It is not from your heart to do wrong. It is from your flesh. When wrong comes from the flesh, your wrong will make you to run to God because it is not your will to do it. But when your wrong comes from your heart, you don't see anything bad in what you are doing. You mean it. You intended to do that. It's a conscious, intentional act. Then your wrong will separate you from God. This is the people that begin to make excuses, justify themselves, point fingers left, right and center because their wrong comes from their hearts, not from their flesh. Are, are you with me, people of God? I hope you are understanding this message. There are two types of wrong. The wrong that comes from the hearts and the wrong that comes from the flesh. The Bible says that by nature we are rebellious. We, we, we constantly find ourselves choosing to do what is contrary to what we naturally want to do as people of God. Our flesh will be pushing us in a different direction. And there are times where, yes, we make a mistake. We take the wrong course. We take a wrong step. So how do you know a true child of God? The moment you realize you've taken a wrong step, you quickly repent and come back on track. That's how you know a child of God. 
not by prompt tithe payments, not by church attendance, not by ostentatious works of charity. You know a true child of God when their wrong brings them closer to Jesus. When their mistake actually improves their relationship with God. For what I do not want to do, that I do. You can use this message to question yourself, to challenge yourself. Each time you make a mistake, how do you react? How do you respond? Because your response determines your future. Let me try and uh, give an example of what I'm talking about. Um, sir, if you can just stand up for me. Now I'm going to ask you, sir, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask you to slap me, okay? I want you to slap me. That was a very weak slap. Don't worry, this is an example. You are free to, to go ahead. Okay, now. Me and our brother are having an altercation, a fight, a struggle. In the midst of it, he slaps me. Now, if he meant it, if that slap came from his heart, he would not see anything wrong with it. In fact, he would want to slap me again. His anger would increase, his provocation would increase, he would likely justify himself if I came and said, brother, why did you slap me? He would say, you deserved it, foolish man. But if the slap that he gave me was not from his heart. He didn't mean it. In just that anger, it overwhelmed him and he slapped me. The moment he slapped me, he would begin to regret. Oh God, why did I do this? Oh God, I did it, God, sorry. You will begin to regret. Maybe not at that moment later, he would come and meet me and say, Brother, I'm very sorry for what I did. Already, the slap has brought him closer to Jesus. Because it's not from his heart. He didn't mean to do it. It was not his intention to slap. He was overwhelmed by the heat of the moment. He slapped. And immediately afterwards, the Holy Spirit prompted his conscience to repentance. That's how you know a true child of God. This is a lesson that the world needs to understand. Look at someone as an example. You have someone in your family, maybe they are a smoker, a chronic smoker or drug addict. You can have your seat, sir. Thank you very much. A chronic smoker or drug addict. And you say because you want to stop them from smoking, you isolate them in the house, you take them to a rehabilitation center where they have no access to drugs, no access to cigarettes, but it is not their will to stop. You are the one that has forced them to by changing their environments. The moment they go outside, they will return back to smoking. Because you're trying to deal with it from the flesh, not the spirits, not the hearts. Everything starts from the hearts. Wrong starts from the hearts. Right starts from the hearts. If you want to stop wrong, it must come from your hearts. Let me try.
try and give another example for you. Do we have any husband and wife here? You are here together. Just help us stand up. Any husband and wife? Okay, I'm seeing one over here. Let me go there. Okay, this is two. Okay, let's let's talk to this husband and wife. Can sit down, sit away. You are very welcome. Now, um, okay, let's come out, please. I'm very sorry if the question is going to provoke you, but let me ask you straight. Okay, <laughs> madam, do you love your husband? Very much. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. <laughs> I was happy at that answer because it could have turned into something else. If you love your husband, would you intentionally do something that you know provokes him? No. Okay. Can you tell us something that you know maybe you used to do that would easily offend or provoke your husband? Um, maybe when I... <laughs> think because he's a very patient man so I'm thinking um, what so you don't do anything to provoke your husbands this is a wonderful marriage Joe. <laughs> thank you Jesus we thank God for you okay so let's ask you okay you have something to say madam I guess when I wake up very early before him he doesn't like that okay okay thank you so let's put our hands together for Jesus now our sister is saying that she knows that there's something that if she does it, it would provoke or annoy or, you know, cause an issue between her and her husband. Now, if this is a physical relationship, we're not talking of God here, we're talking of man and wife. If you know that doing something would provoke your husband, why would anyone intentionally do that? And if you want the marriage to last, maybe you want, you want divorce, you will be waking up every morning at 4 a.m. to the point that the man walk, walk, goes. Because you know that it provokes him, why would you intentionally, deliberately do something that at the end of the day is going to cause fights, disagreements, offense, trouble, wahala? Why? Thank you very much. You may have your seats. Now, let's, let's bring this principle back to our relationship with God. Why would anyone who sincerely desires a relationship with Jesus intentionally do things that are contrary to Him? Why would anyone who desires growth in their spiritual life intentionally do something that is going to affect their spiritual life negatively? Why? I hope you follow what I'm saying. Okay, let's give an example. Why would a Christian be found in a place where Jesus would not be welcomed? What business does a Christian have with a spiritualist? What business does a Christian have with a beer parlor? What business does a Christian have with a nightclub? We are going to be seeing everything that will compromise your faith. If you sincerely desire a relationship with Jesus, you would not intentionally engage in that which will affect that relationship. In your husband and wife, in your marriage, you're not going to do something that is going to provoke the marriage, cause trouble and crisis and fighting. How much more so our relationship with God? That means if ever we do miss the mark, if ever we do find ourselves doing something contrary to our relationship with God, what do we do? We quickly repent. Get back on track and speed up our spiritual life. 
L let me try and give you another example. Prophet T.B. Joshua says, when sin is before you, you would not be able to see any other thing except that thing. When sin, tell your neighbor, neighbor, when sin is before me, I will not be able to see any other thing except that thing. That means when sin is before you, you are unable to move forward. I'm going to try and give an example. You can see me going to the, the far end of the church. Let me give an example. You see this door here? When I commit wrong, sin, as a Christian, the door to my divine destiny is locked. Tell your neighbor it's locked. It's locked. It's closed. I can try everything humanly to try and break through the door. I can use my physical efforts and my strength to try and break through. No way! The only thing that can open the door locked by sin is repentance and forgiveness. But today, what happens? We make a mistake. Instead of us to quickly come back to God so that the door can be opened, we begin to make excuses, justify ourselves. We try to use our human intelligence and wisdom and effort to open the door. We strive and struggle humanly, humanly, humanly together. Some of us take a run up. We run to the door. Is it? No way. Some of us think, right, I have to find an alternative. We want to go through the window. We come here, find the window, try to open it, try to get through the window. No, no way. Some of us try to go up the stairs. We go up the stairs trying to find a way. No way. We come back, back to the same place. No way. And we can waste years making excuses, justifying ourselves. Your intellectual ability can open the door. Your political connections can open the door. Your abilities on the outside, your wisdom, intelligence, strength can open the door. There's only, there's only one way to open this door. Jesus. When you repent, when you repent, when you come to the roots of your problem and repent, Jesus opens the door, gives you the key, and you can walk out. Into your destiny. <laughs> See, Mama? Mama has entered her destiny now. <laughs> you see, if you continue to be budging against that door, trying to break the door, trying using human strength, all that you will do is find that your spiritual life is stagnant. You are delayed. 
I'm not saying you may not achieve things in this world, but your movement towards your divine destiny is stopped. And that means whatever you achieve, material things, position, popularity, it will be without peace. Without peace. Jesus Christ loves to speak pardon and peace to the sinners who truly repent. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Jesus Christ loves to speak pardon and peace to the sinners who truly repent. This means that pardon puts peace in the hearts of the sinner who repents. Tell your neighbor, pardon puts peace in the hearts of the sinner who truly repents. What is stopping you from acknowledging your wrong and coming back to God? I don't know how else I can explain this. Let me use one more example. Do you know what sin is like? Sin is like a stain on a white garment. You can see this. This is a brand new t-shirt, white, very clear. Anyone who sees this t-shirt would be ready to wear it, happily wear it because they can see it's white, it's clean, it's clear. Do you know what happens when you commit sin? When you commit sin, you stain your white garments. When you commit sin, you stain your garments. Is there anyone here who would like to wear a garment that has been stained? I'm not hearing you. Is there anyone here that would like to wear a garment that is stained? Sir, would you be ready to wear this garment? No, 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 no. Sir, would you be ready to wear this? No. Sir, would you be ready to wear this? No, sir. But today, our hearts are stained by pride and we don't mind. Our hearts are stained by lust and we continue our journey. Our hearts are filled with offense and we continue to walk around in public as if we are proud of our dirty rags. It's like someone who is eating. You are eating your favorite food. You are so conscious, caught up with your eating that you don't realize that you have stained your clothing. Let, let me try and find out this. Sir, what is your favorite food? Be sincere. Draw soup. Draw soup. That is the okra, ogmono. Yes. Okay, now just imagine. You, you take it with what? With uh, pap. With pap. Pap. Pounded yam. Pounded yam. Okay, so just imagine. 
you are busy eating this beautiful food, your delicacy. You are so consumed by the eating, you f- don't realize that the drawer soup has covered your shirt. It has stained you. You know, it can happen to anyone. If it's happened to you, raise your hand. This is zero. It's happened to me. You can be so busy eating, you don't know, suddenly you have stained it. Now, what happens? The moment you realize your clothing is stained, you become what? Embarrassed. The moment you realize the crowd don't cover everywhere, what do you do? You, you, you quickly try to cover yourself. You will go and change. You will go and use whatever you need to do to clean the dirt and the rubbish that has stained your clothing. There's only one thing that can cleanse a heart stained by sin, the blood of Jesus Christ. precious commodity in the history of mankind than the blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If you realize you've stained yourself, you've made a mistake, you've done the wrong thing, you've taken a wrong course, what do you need to do? Quickly come back to Jesus and he will cleanse you. Why then are we walking around with a stained shirt? Beautiful on the outside and ugly on the inside. Is it to please man? Is it to look good in the eyes of men? Those men hold no sway over the affairs of your destiny. The man you are trying to please cannot determine your future. The man you are trying to honor, the man you are trying to look good in the eyes of can betray and leave you tomorrow. Why can't we pay any price? to maintain our relationship with Jesus Christ. If you make a mistake, you do the wrong thing, you take a wrong step, quickly get back on track. In conclusion, for how long will we continue to warm the seats of the synagogue while our hearts remain cold. For how long will we continue to touch the screen on a manual TV and yet a manual TV is not touching us? How long will we listen to a sermon upon sermon upon teaching upon preaching that strikes the ear but does not the conscience ring? For how long? For how long? The best time to change is now if not sooner. This message is capable of changing you if you receive it in the midst of your heart. The motto of a true Christian is this, nothing can separate me from the love of God. 
If I make a mistake, that mistake cannot separate me. I run back to Jesus. I take a wrong step. That cannot separate me. I run back to Jesus. Why? Because I know that as a child of God, I possess the divine ability to stand in God's holy presence without any sense of unworthiness, without any sense of unrighteousness. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a, I, I steal. I this. No. You are here in the presence of God. Church, where are you right now? Are you not in the presence of God? For you to be here today, your past is over. Jesus would not allow you to come here if he had not cancelled your past. Your past is over. You are declared free from your past by reason of the gospel grace. Why would anyone come to the presence of God and still refer to his past? Unrighteousness, unworthiness. Stop reliving your past in your present. Stop reliving your past and your presence. And let your heart rise. Seek the things that are above. And you can boldly declare to the world that yes, I am a child of God. May God bless his word in our hearts. In Jesus' name.